welcome to JR Out Loud, the podcast of Jewish Renaissance. I'm Judy Herman, and it's such fun today because there's actually four of us, including me. And um, Stephen, do you like to have your middle name when like, you're introduced? Yes, Stephen, please. Right, so we say it to me so I can say it properly. Stephen Carl McCasland. Stephen Carl McCasland, playwright, stateside, joining us today, his morning, our afternoon. And Linda Bassett, fantastic and amazing actor. Come back to why I think you're fantastic and amazing in a minute. And Debbie Chazen, equally fantastic and amazing actor. (laughs) And I go back a long way with with at least two of you, the girls. Linda, do you remember me interviewing you when you were playing the board in Pericles and Paulina in The Winter's Tale, The Woman's Hour? Well, do you know, I thought I recognised you, but I don't remember that interview. Isn't that weird? I don't remember it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Such a dreadful experience, poor you. <laughs> Not at all, but it was a long time ago. You were brilliant, completely brilliant. She was brilliant on stage and the most wonderful interviews. And uh, Debbie, I don't know how many times I've interviewed you, loads, loads and loads of times. So Stephen, we're here to talk about Little Wars, this fantastic play that you've written about... All the, it's a very strange thing because all of the cast are women and somehow I felt the presence of the men that they mentioned as well. And you think it's going to be the funniest play ever because all of all these wits in it, Gertrude Stein, um, who we have present, Linda Bassett is playing Gertrude Stein, and Dorothy Parker, what a wit, whom we have present, Dottie. And I think maybe Alice B. Toklas is a wit as well. So... What is so strange is that it's it's hard hitting. It's a comedy and it's high drama, I would say, with a wartime setting. Quite a lot of laughter and comedy in it. Um, Mm. And I think part of the structure of the play, it starts out quite funny um, and it takes its twists and turns to a place of darkness. But I think for all of these women, their lives have done the same exact thing. And so I think the structure um, of the play is a mirror image of the lives of these women in a way. There is a great deal of wit and laughter and joy in all of them, but all of that, all of that is what makes it so incredible because they are all survivors in their own way who have been through terrible things um, or who are such outcasts and outsiders like Gertrude and Alice at that time, you know, who have been some of the bravest women of their time. Yes, and what I found so extraordinary was the the, the sort of the level of vituperation going on. You know, you know that's the idea of the dream dinner party. Mm-hmm. I would call this the nightmare cocktail party. Yes. <laughs> well, there there is the line in the play. So I actually quite like when people call it a what up dinner party because Gertrude fully admits that she did invite them for dinner, but by dinner Gertrude meant alcohol. Yes, clearly, a liquid. <laughs> and, and that's a line in the play. So I, I always do appreciate when you set it up as a what if dinner party and then people discover that, no, Gertrude just meant drinks. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's interesting is at one point somebody actually says something about, we didn't even get nibbles, I think, don't they? That's Dorothy Parker. Yeah, Dottie, I'm with you on that one, totally. <laughs> yeah, me too. Sophie Thompson plays Agatha Christie and uh, she delivers that line and many of the other quips quite brilliantly. <laughs> 
Yes, why don't you run through the cast, because we're lucky enough to have, as I said, we've got Dorothy Parker and Gertrude Stein, who's great wits with us. But you line up the rest of the dramatis personae, and we'll begin to understand why it's high drama as well, because this is a wartime. Yes, wartime. Uh, so the, the play actually takes place on the eve of France falling to Germany, and um, Gertrude Stein has invited uh, Agatha Christie, for dinner. Um, as far as I know, she never went over to Gertrude's house, but they did exchange letters. Um, Gertrude wrote a letter to Agatha correcting her use of a poison in one of her mysteries. And I thought that was the funniest thing because that's something Gertrude would do. And apparently they went on to exchange letters for quite a time. So I thought they might be together. Now, Agatha and Lillian did know each other quite well. So um, I imagine that they would have been together and Dorothy was Lillian's best friend and punching bag, uh, and unfortunately, and uh, has come along for the ride. So it is Agatha Christie, Gertrude Stein, Gertrude's wife, Alice B. Toklas, and Lillian Hellman and Dorothy Parker. The issue is that Gertrude did not invite Lillian Hellman because she cannot stand Lillian Hellman. And that, she has never met Dorothy Parker, and she's never heard of her either. Is that real, do you think? I love, I love that supposition that she might never have heard of her. Yeah. <laughs> and that poor Dottie is uh, gate-crashing then. Is that, is that what you're saying? She is. Saying? She's well, crashing the party. Right. So we're in wartime France. It's about to fall, and there are other people at the, yes. at the table, but in the room. There is a, uh, a maid who uh, is quite more than a maid. I don't want to give too much away um, for those who don't know the play, but she is much more than a maid. She is a family member in a way. She's the daughter that Gertrude and Alice never had. She's the one fictional character in the play. And the other person is somebody who was supposed to be arriving the very next night, but unfortunately came a little too early. And she is a resistance fighter who has come to collect funds donated by Gertrude and Alice to help uh, Jews escape from Germany. And that's really quite key, isn't it? Um, but before we talk talk to our two wonderful wits and wit performers, who would like to talk about the relevance for now and why you're raising money and how? I think we should say that up front, don't you? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to let Debbie talk about this because this was sort of Debbie's idea and it blossomed into this huge thing. Well, I just, I read the play and loved it and I I was so struck by how timely it is, even though it's set, you know, 1940, it's so relevant to today. Unfortunately, this sort of situation is still happening the world over. And so the charity we chose, because we always knew it was going to be a charity thing, uh, is something called Women for Refugee Women, which is absolutely perfect because the women in our play are women who end up being very significant in the lives of refugee women. So that is how that kind of parity came together. We just thought it was a really fitting uh, tribute to uh, modern day women who are struggling and, you know, are... are sisters from a long time ago who all helped each other in, in t bad times. Yeah, so we'll come back to that at the end. I think we'll say it again at the end. Can we just name check the rest of the cast? As oh, well? yeah, sorry, I was I was supposed to do that. Well, uh, Debbie and I started dreaming up who we could ask, and we came up with 
this incredible ensemble of women, many of Debbie's friends, um, and my buddy Juliet Stevenson plays Lillian Hellman, Linda plays Gertrude Stein, Debbie plays Dorothy Parker, uh, Catherine Russell, who a lot of people know from Hobie City, plays Alice B. Toklas, and she does the most incredible vocal impersonation of Alice B. Toklas that you're just gonna get goosebumps if you've ever heard Alice speak. It's amazing. And uh, Sarah Soleimani is playing uh, the mystery guest. And the maid, Bernadette, is played by an up and coming wonderful young actress, um, Natasha Karp, who was in uh, an off West End production of the musical Rags. Yeah, I, I saw that, and she, she she's lo lovely. And Sophie Thompson is Agatha Christie. Oh, yes, sorry, thank you. And Sophie Thompson is Agatha Christie. Thank you, Linda. Right. A long list. A long list of really amazing women playing really amazing women. <laughs> You're not just picking them up, they really are. They are, they are. I'm, I'm very, 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 very tickled by this. You've got a lovely director as well, Hannah Chiswick. Yes. Hannah Chiswick, she's done a wonderful job, and we have a great team. Um, Thomas Hopkins and Michael Quinn are our producers, and they have a, another young producer work, working with them, Bailey Kelly, who is running this very cool uh, sort of behind the scenes series. And he's doing these different interviews with everybody from behind the scenes, and it, it's really wonderful. You know, they're, they're all doing a lot of great work, and I think it's going to be quite a treat. And are you all having to record separately so they've got to put it all together? Is that right? We yes. did record together all on Zoom, but mm -hmm. all remotely from our homes. Yes, okay. It was an experience. <laughs> and we all, we all had to record it ourselves. Yeah. But John, the, the brilliant man, could put it all together. But we had enormous trouble all finding the right way to do it. So we took a lot of our time, didn't we? The true blessing is that, you know, technology is not always your friend as we dealt with today but you know these actresses are all so gifted that what they brought to the table you know prepared already with incredible choices and so many had done great research and worked with the play for 30 days on their own you know the fact that it ate up some of our time didn't matter because the work they were doing with the text was so beautiful Right, that really is a great opportunity for me to say, Linda, um, I've always been fascinated by Gertrude Stein. Not sure I'd ever thought of her as quite as vituperative as this, but yes, I think maybe I had. But she's got some wonderful lines. So tell me about your research on that couple, in fact, perhaps, but particularly on your character, on Gertrude Stein. Well, well I was lucky with Gertrude in a way, because I didn't have a lot of time to do some research, all this wonderful work that Stephen's talking about, I wasn't able to do because I was working on something else. I had played her before. Oh, have you? Mm. Of course, a very different Gertrude. I mean, because everyone who writes Gertrude writes so differently. So, but um, I remember I, I based most of my research before on her on reading her work, which I started to understand a bit. <laughs> no, I started to love it actually, and I, you know, their their relationship is amazing. And um, especially considering the time they were living. I mean, now they just seem like a very normal lesbian couple. But, you know, to be doing, to be doing what they were doing at that time was pioneering. Do you think it was important that they were in France? That's, they met in France, didn't they? But they stayed there, really. <laughs> they didn't feel welcome in America. That's, yeah, that's what I was meaning. Yes, they met in France. 
but uh, Leo, Gertrude's brother, didn't like Alice, didn't approve of her, <laughs> her an abnormal vampire, but he didn't win. <laughs> There's a lovely bit in the play where Alice talks about that, doesn't she? That's right, I and tell that, that story. Yeah. And I put my clothes in his closet. So um, I love that's that. That's actually, I, that's one of my favorite parts mm. of the play. Catherine does it so beautifully. I, I had my camera off because they were filming and I sat here and cried when she did it. Mm -hmm. I, honestly, I cried during just about every monologue because <laughs> to have these women give life to your words is just, it, it really is a gift. Yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. You sort of wait to hear about that relationship because we actually see it in action, the relationship between Alice and Gertrude before it's explained to us how it actually came about. And, you know, you can see that Alice is constantly calming her, almost mothering Gertrude, I would say, um, which is not to infantilise Gertrude. You know, she is astonishingly tough. You're a tough cookie, but... She's tough, but I, I, I personally believe Alice is tougher. Do you? That's yes, I think she's the backbone of the relationship. Yeah, it's, it's just a beautiful relationship that we see. I mean, if you storm out, Alice goes out to deal with, with repercussions and smooth things over. I rather love that. They really are an old married couple, aren't they? They really are. And they're very, they both say, I think they both say versions of, you know, it's real. What they have is real. Yeah, yeah. So whatever and happens, Alice is Alice and Gertrude is Gertrude. I'm quoting Stephen's words now. Yes. And that's it. It's not some fantasy of a relationship. It's an everyday, real love. They yeah. love each other. And they. I think they both know how lucky they are to have found each other. Alice has a wonderful speech about how she meets you. And then mm. I know you're, you're sort of cheating a tiny bit unless Stephen's saying something about, I know I'm going to live 20 years longer than she did because I don't think this is a spoiler alert that Alice did indeed live 21 years more than yes. on her own, but mm -hmm. preserving and, and loving the memory of, of her partner, at which you recreate this in these speeches. It's so touching. I could see Paris, uh, not the you. Paris now of the pandemic, Paris of then. It was... Mm beautiful and somehow into all this how do um debbie as far as you're concerned how on earth hmm. is dotty walking into all this oh, we should ask stephen as well ask both of you she was promised alcohol i would imagine <laughs> <laughs> yes i expect so so that's yeah. just the not the nightmare cocktail party bit we don't think that ever happened do we she uh, yes i mean things get quite dark for dotty she was a very complicated character dorothy parker um i mean i've loved her for many many years and just thought she was an absolute genius with her witty repartee and one-liners and um and I'd, I'd already read a lot of her work, but obviously for this play, I was able to read, reread and rediscover. And, you know, she's a very sad, dark character in real life. Uh, but I think in this play, you know, we one of our directorial notes when we first read it through was don't preempt, which is, you know, kind of act a rookie mistake to kind of act the ending of a play before you've started the beginning. And actually what it is, is a dinner party round the house of someone that you've heard about, admired, uh, and why wouldn't you want to go and, and enjoy yourself in, in the company of fellow extraordinary women? I mean, somebody does say, oh, I think, Gertrude, you've met your match with Dorothy in terms of the kind of the arrogance and the kind of knowing that you're intellectually on a level. Um, so, you know, it's like, I suppose you're, 
you, she's aware that there could be a war going on, but right this moment in time, is there's not a, a war going on. It's it's the week before uh, tier three hits. <laughs> it hits the French Alps. So go out and drink those uh, those cocktails while you can. Yeah. Oh, thank you for bringing it into. Except the- I don't think Gertrude would love you know who as much as she would love Patan. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a lot of talk about the. The background, the war that they're they're living through, where we are. I mean, we all know with the benefit of hindsight where it's all going, but uh, there's a bit mm. about Charlie Chaplin and Hitler, isn't there? But um, but I, I just still want to know: Have you gate crashed, or were you invited? Because Gertrude seems to be positive; she doesn't know who the hell you are. So you have to make a point of saying that, don't you? Well, I think she was invited by Agatha. Right. Dorothy Parker was Lillian Hellman's best friend. Um, And earlier I said she was also Lillian's punching bag because uh, they had a very, very complicated friendship. Uh, You know, one little anecdote that I discovered in my research, although it doesn't apply to the world of the play, it happened much later. Uh, Lillian was the recipient of Dorothy's ashes and Lillian left them in a coffee can in the back of a filing cabinet. They remained there until after Lillian's death. So Dorothy was not even really put to rest until afterwards. Dorothy also donated her entire uh, her entire fortune, although it really wasn't a fortune, um, to uh, the NAACP. Yes, we need to say what that is, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Correct, yes, I'm sorry. I, I'm so used to being in America where we all know what that is. Dorothy donated her uh, entire fortune, which wasn't really a fortune, to the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP. Uh, and there is a moment in the play where we see Dorothy's uh, affection for the Black community and uh, detest for racism, which mm-hmm. certainly was a plague that Lillian had. And um, Lillian bitterly contested her friend's will horribly. Uh, I mean, you know, Lillian was, was not, um, she was a remarkable woman. She was brilliant, um, but she wasn't very nice. Okay, so you actually agree with that then? You're agreeing with Gertrude, aren't you? There, probably. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, now, I happen to love Lillian Hellman because when I was 15 or 16, I, I saw a play that Nora Ephron wrote on Broadway called Imaginary Friends, and it imagined Lillian Hellman in the afterlife with another author named Mary McCarthy. And Mary McCarthy uh, went on uh, an American talk show was asked about uh, who are her favorite and least favorite authors. And her least favorite author was Lillian Hellman. Because, <laughs> and I quote, she said, uh, everything Lillian Hellman says is a lie, including end and the. <laughs> and claimed to know the real Julia, which is the entire inspiration for this play. If anybody has ever seen the film Julia with Vanessa Redgrave and Jane Fonda, that's, Lillian Hellman's version of her being the great column of the Jewish people and rescuing them from Hitler. Um, is it true? Well, there's nobody, nobody knows. So uh, I think that Lillian might have taken a little money over in a hat once or done something, just, just enough, just enough to be in the annals of history, right? As a rescuer. 
um, because I think that that was how Lillian operated. It was always about what could Lillian do for Lillian. And mm -hmm. I think that though I admire the heck out of her, and I think that's evident in the play, um, because I, I do show her to be a brilliant woman, um, and I do talk about what made her become so hostile. Yeah, but no, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm kind to her, and I'm not apologetic. I'm not sure you're that kind to any of them, to be honest. <laughs> I love them all. I'm sorry that you think that. Okay. I think you're being realistic. <laughs> I think the interesting thing about Dorothy, if we just go back to her, is you wait a long time and then you suddenly get quite a lot of autobiographical detail. Which I love the fact that it begins with the first two lines of that poem. You know, I do not like yes. my state of mind. You can say, go on, say your two lines at least. I do not like my state of mind. I'm bitter, querulous, unkind. Thank you. And then she goes on to explain exactly why. But I'm not sure. I, I hadn't remembered this. The, the, I don't think we're giving away too much, are we? To, given that it's out there. You know, this business yeah. of her having had this earlier affair and having had an abortion with some, somebody who was a serial. Yeah. Uh, Darth Parker had an affair with the American playwright Charles MacArthur. Yeah. And he paid for her to go and get an abortion. And it was the beginning of a long path of self-destruction for her. I believe she attempted suicide eight times. Yes, I followed that up. And I, I don't know, I just found that so sad, you know, that we think of her as this really funny woman, but the bitterness is there and you can see why. That's why I said, yes, the play is funny, but it's also quite sad underneath. So... It is very sad. She was almost sort of like a, a teenager in her romantic, uh, the way she, she conducted her romantic affairs, because, you know, it was all about finding the perfect one. He never, ever existed for her. And it, when you read all her poems and all her stories, it's all terribly teenage in a, in a very charming way but you know it's, it's so sad to read all these things knowing that it never really quite happened for her and she was yeah. such a, a sad person in in the play you say that alan campbell is the husband that we know about is, is that true that he was possibly gay because you, you yeah know, yeah yet they are sort of soulmates aren't they i mean i would imagine that kind of thing happened a lot in those mm. days when you know i'm sure there were just as many uh, gay people in the 1940s as there are now but you couldn't be out and out no. and proud. you know i'm sure there were many uh, people married when they didn't want to be married but just for you know, for the sake of show. Um, and I think she, he was kind to her. There was there was no particular romance there, but, you know, that's what you did in those days. You married someone who wasn't right for you just because. Yeah, I guess, unless you were in Paris and you were Gertrude Stein and Alice B. Tocqueville. I don't want to give anything else away, as I said, but um, do you know, Linda, is there any authentication to the concept that they might have been helping Jews, a pair of them, is part of the story, because they are Jews, and they talk a lot about that in the play. They're both Jewish. Are they helping Jews? Did they? Do we know? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Stephen, that aren't I don't know whether they did. I mean, famously, she translated speeches for Pétain and was obviously criticised for that, but I don't know what she did privately. I do know that she did the, the speeches for Bhutan, and that's criticized. But I also want to point out that Gertrude was a out Jewish lesbian in France at the time, and she was from America, and she did not want to go back to America. Yeah. And there were things that Gertrude were going to do to stay in the kind favor of the people that she needed in order to stay there. Gertrude was, was proud of being a Jew, but uh, no, I don't, I don't know for a fact that she did. 
I've sort of created this concept in my mind because this play for me is twofold. It is coming to terms with why Gertrude would have done what she did for Patan and coming to terms with why Lillian Hellman would have fabricated rescuing Jews, meanwhile, stealing the true story of a woman who rescued hundreds. Hmm. Um, so in a way, it truly is a what if. This is all 15 to 20 years of my fascination with the Julia story and my sitting down to try and figure out what might have happened. Well, I find it all very plausible. I shall go with your version of it. So how Because the other thing is Gertrude and Alice would not have just been um, rescuing Jews. Gays were being persecuted too, horribly. Uh, I mean, the pink triangle was on uniforms also. And so, uh, you know, they would have been eager to help anybody, whether or not they were supporters of Patan. I have no doubt in my mind that Gertrude Stein and Alice B. Toklas did not support genocide. Absolutely. No. Oh, yeah. no, I'm sure they didn't. Yeah. So what's been the joy for you, Linda, of playing Gertrude? Because you do, you've got the lion's share of, I would say, the caustic, um, it is witty, <laughs> quite caustic, as I said, but I'm sure she it was. was. It is, it is, and quite drunken. And I don't know if that's Stephen's done that. I don't, I don't remember finding out that Gertrude drank a lot. <laughs> But I can believe she did that night. Yeah, if that night happened, yes. Well, I wonder whether you all drank your way through the... Um... No, we couldn't possibly have actually had a real drink. I tell you, it was so immensely difficult <laughs> to be able to speak to you. And we, you know, not to have any rehearsal really, except to rehearse the tech. Well, I don't know if anyone else was secretly drinking, but I was strictly <laughs> on tea and water. <laughs> but no, she's a, it's a joy to play, and my favourite speech being the one where she um, describes her and Alice as yeah. a, having found each other and mm. challenges Lillian to stop messing about and um, give up her money. Yeah. Lillian's going to do, but in this instance, she's saying just open your purse and give. Yeah, yeah, well all the speeches, as I say, whether they're terribly acerbic or actually quite touching, I think they're beautifully written and they must be lovely to say. And they paint a picture of a real woman, I think. It's very important to me. All of my plays are about strong women who have inspired me. Uh, mm. I don't really enjoy writing about men. I, I might be gay, but I, that doesn't mean I like most men. Um, <laughs> I like the way you whispered that. <laughs> I much prefer the company of women. I love to work with just smart, strong women. I think that women make great leaders uh, because they are compassionate and open-minded. So my plays, you know, I, I've written about the Kennedys, but it's about the daughter, Rosemary. I've written about Billie Holiday. And these are the stories that draw me in. Strong women who have survived or been beaten down by the horrific acts of men. Well, I think these are the strong women who survived, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So what are your hopes for, apart from the fundraising, what are all of your hopes for? I think it's wonderful that you found a play where you can sit around a table. Excellent idea. You know, you've obviously enjoyed making it, but now what are your hopes the audience will get out of it as well as what they might give as a result of what they get out of it? 
Who's going to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. Um, my hope is that, um, well, it's just such a brilliant play with a fantastic message of support. And, you know, nowadays, these days, more than ever, we need to come together as a nation, as a world. I find it completely shocking that, you know, this is the first time in history that the entire world is going through the same situation. This coronavirus thing is affecting everybody. And instead of coming together and finding a solution together, we're still being divisive. We're still looking after our own. And the message of this play is to help each other. And that's what we all need to do more of. So I'm hoping that just, you know, even by putting this message out there that someone somewhere will, the message will go round and that we'll, we'll raise money for the charity apart from anything. And for the future of the play, who knows? Um, I would love it to have an actual physical life in, in London, because why not? Who knows? Thanks to COVID, all these things, all bets are off. But That's a lot of lines for Linda to learn. <laughs> <laughs> not much to add to that. I thought I, that, that was pretty comprehensive. I thought that was pretty wonderful, Debbie. Um, yes, obviously to support refugee women is, is a great thing. But I hope people will be intrigued and sort of stimulated by the play the way we were by this meeting that maybe never happened but that you know there's a fascination isn't there about bringing people together that maybe never met but what would happen if they'd meet and the mystery guest and also Bernadette are wonderful characters who awake your humanity and I guess Alice and Gertrude, what they contribute is what most of us contribute to things happening in the world, which is we give our money. And then what the character who calls herself Mary, she's actually doing something. But at least they are giving their money. And, you know, money is necessary in most situations. So um, I hope people donate lots. Well, I don't think Mary could have done what she did without the money, because otherwise... She well, no, that's the point. But I mean, but it, what, it's so interesting that Gertrude says, yeah, but we're doing nothing. You know, I'm doing nothing. I'm, I'm safe and they're not. And it, you know, that's true. And we all feel like that, I'm sure, a lot of the time. I'm safe mm. and others are not. But then there are people who put themselves in danger, put themselves at risk. Um, yes. Can I just say that every playwright in the world deserves the opportunity to sit and listen to Linda Bassett talk about their play because <laughs> I am feeling all warm and fuzzy over. Oh. <laughs> I just I want to hug you. <laughs> oh, hopefully eventually you will. Yes, someday. I, I guess for me, uh, besides obviously the charity, I am not Jewish, but I was raised in a very Jewish town, uh, very high Jewish population. I have known and loved many, many, many Jewish people, and I am deeply concerned by the rise of anti-Semitism in the world again. Um, and so I hope that this play uh, awakens people to the fact that, that what's happening in the play is starting to happen again. And I hope that people are concerned. Um, uh, and beyond that, I hope that people go and learn about these women. I really enjoyed learning about them. And their lives are so much more fascinating than this little moment in time really shows. Uh, and I, I think everybody should learn more about them. I hope they aren't forgotten as time passes.
Well, that's beautiful. I think, well, I think really we, we should urge people to come and watch and and give generously because it is worth coming to watch. I, I, I can't wait to see you bringing it to life. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. And I want to thank you all. So I'm going to do this alphabetically. Linda Bassett, Debbie Jason, and I'm never going to get your name right, Stephen. Stephen Carl McCausland. McCausland. Actually, when my family came over from Scotland, we were McCausland, and then they changed it at Ellis Island. So, oh, okay. Well, I'm doing well there. Then no, Stephen, Stephen, <laughs> Carl McCausland. Thanks so much for sparing me all this time on rather dodgy lines. May I just say where to buy tickets? Uh, so you can buy tickets. We're on from the third to the eighth of November, at, uh, inclusive. And if you just go to littlewars.co.uk, that's littlewars.co.uk, you select your date and you buy a ticket. I think they're ten pounds, and all proceeds will go to Women for Refugee Women. And we all thank you so much. Yeah, and you can watch it at any time that day. It's a twenty-four hour. Ah, that's important. So you know, if you're thinking, oh, I'm not free at seven thirty. Well, then you can watch it at 8.30. Yeah, you're just buying <laughs> buying, the, buying time, so to speak. Yeah. So I could have just put that straight on the website, but how lovely to hear you saying it, Debbie. And you adding that, <laughs> Stephen. I just want to thank all of you for giving me so much time today for Jewish Renaissance podcast, Jail Out Loud. God bless thank you all. You. Thank you.